In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. What if, with the right mindset, anything is possible? Join us now and find out how. It's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka is here to inspire you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka. And thank you for being here during this lovely Thanksgiving week that's right here in the U.S. We are celebrating one of my favorite holidays because it is such a wonderful time to to have a day with family and friends and really reflect upon the things that we are most grateful for. And if you really take the time to do that, sit back, think about your life, think about the people who you love and who, who love you and everything that has gone on for you. And, and find those little pieces of gratitude. Send them out there during this whole week, not just on that special day. In fact, every day, as I do, I hope you enjoy this week. And I want to thank you so much for being here today because we have a great show ahead. Instead of complaining or thinking like a victim after a corporate layoff in November of 99, Step Stephen Sidnor decided to branch out on his own with a consulting business. And like so many who want to be their own boss, steps saw the opportunity to stay out of the corporate cubicle and I'm with him on that one. But for Step, who was raised in raised by a father who had been married six times by the time Step was only 17 years old, and who left him behind when he remarried once again, this act of independence was not a new journey. Today, as an author, consultant, and popular speaker, Step is here on the Million Dollar Mindset to share his history and teach us about the strategies that took him from a struggling employee to a young entrepreneur and eventually today to a consultant who is growing one of his clients' companies from 250000 in annual revenues to $15 millions in just five years. And I'll tell you what, as a business coach, I, uh, I, will, I will say that that's not an easy thing to do. So I'm really excited about having Step Stevens Sidnor on the show today. And I would like to welcome you, Step, to the Million Dollar Mindset. Well, thank you very much, Marla. It's a pleasure uh, to be uh, with you today and uh, to kind of talk about some of the things that I know you're you're passionate about, which is uh, you know helping people get that million dollar mindset. In fact, I'm excited to be here. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm so thrilled because you know when when you have the rare opportunity to meet with someone like yourself who who had a childhood like you did and who overcame all of those obstacles and 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 challenges the way that you have stuff it's it's just it's a wonderful wonderful thing to be able to learn from people like you so let's start at the beginning oh my gosh your father married six times 
and left you. Basically, he, your dad left home when you were 17 years old. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Dad, uh, of course, yeah, he got married for the, the sixth time. And um, uh, I was a junior, going into my junior year of high school, and my brother was uh, going into senior year. And he decided that he and his new wife were going to move down to South Texas. Of course, we lived in the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth area. And we, he just said, y'all can't come. Evidently, um, his you know, new wife, you know, that was not the life that they you know, thought that they wanted. And so uh, he just decided to leave us in Dallas. And he and took my, my uh, sister, who was uh, five years younger, she was, she was about 12, he took her and his new wife, and they moved down to South Texas and left my brother and I there in, in Dallas just to take care of ourselves. And how old was your brother? Well, my brother was, uh, see, I was a junior, so I was um, uh, 17. My brother was uh, getting ready to turn, wait, he was 18. Wow. So uh, he was going to senior year of high school, and I was going to my junior year. So two high school kids left. I'm sure he probably didn't leave you with a lot of financial means or much else. What do you do? Well, I, um, of course, my focus wasn't on, on school, but I, I, I didn't want to drop out. And my um, dad, you know, when you, when you grow up in a multiple divorce culture, you, you know, there's just a lot of uh, instability and, and things that you don't get. So it creates either, you know, you either eat you either get out, get out and get a job to feed yourself because early on, you know, I realized that, you know, if I needed to take care of some of my own uh, physical needs, I just couldn't rely on my caretaker. And uh, I lived with my dad, and I didn't uh, know my mom until I turned 19. She kind of entered back into the picture. But, you know, both my parents were just uh, not stable uh, caregivers. So the first thing that I did was, um, I, I went to the school and told what my situation was, and I ended up on a work program. Uh, that so I went to school from 7:30 to 10:30, and then I went to work. And I went to work for a place called Hannah's Pies, and I would uh, bake pies during the day and be the lunch order cook. And uh, that's how I spent my high school years. Wow, what a lot of strength that must have taken. Of course, back then you probably didn't feel like you had much choice, right? Well, n no, not much. Uh, the other thing that was probably a saving grace is, um, you know, I ended up joining a local uh, uh, church organization that became kind of my support family. Okay. So that was a very, very helpful to have some kind of, you know, support um, group that believed in you and gave you a, you know, positive encouragement, which is... Mm -hmm. As a millionaire mindset, you, you know, you got to have somebody there uh, that's kind of pulling you along and, and helping you to stay, look, you know, keep you looking up and not down all the time. But it was, that was a challenge. You know, and honestly, just to my dad's credit, uh, just give your, your audience a little uh, background. When my um, mom and dad got married, you know, they had originally lived in Corpus Christi, which is where I was born. And dad was reading an article in Life magazine an article that I actually got online and because uh, they archived a lot of those, uh, mag you know, Life Magazine articles all the way back then. And he was reading an article about coffee plantations, Marla, and decided he wanted to create a coffee plantation. So he raised a bunch of money and uh, went down to Paraguay, Brazil, and started a coffee plantation. And that's why we lived in Corpus Christi. 
And so he was gone quite a bit. Um, and uh, unfortunately, after uh, three years, it takes three years for a coffee plantation to come up or a coffee crop. And a frost came in, burned the whole thing up. Dad lost his investments. He lost the investments of other people. He, and he got so depressed. Uh, then he came back and found out that my mom was um, not uh, taking care of business the way, you know, mom should take care of business. That's another radio interview. But she, uh, he ended up going into a hospital for two years. And my brother and I ended up having to live with a, a kind of a nanny caretaker for two years. And then when dad uh, finally recovered from the blow of just losing a business, he uh, started in real estate. So he got his realtor license, then he got his broker's license. He started Camelot Real Estate in Richardson, Texas. And then once again, the economy turned. He lost that business. And uh, unfortunately, he really literally never recovered from that. And which was, so that's the backdrop of my, of my, how I was raised. So when um, dad exited again, because, you know, his pattern's been, you know, um, if it doesn't work out, you know, then you just exit. You go into kind of a survivor mode, and that's where you stay. And uh, so uh, with, with that backdrop, you know, now I'm faced with, um, all right, how am I going to not repeat my dad's mistakes? Right. So you just take action and yeah, I just thought the best thing I can do is this is the way it is. I think that's probably one of the first things that, you know, you know, forget about prom, forget about football, forget about, you know, high school life, just get the bare minimum done and enter the work world because, you know, I had an apartment and some bills to pay for. So you forgot all about being a kid and you became a grown up really overnight. And it sounds though that you did have the opportunity to learn a lot from both your father's entrepreneurial side as well as, you know, his attempts to thrive and uh, what it takes to be a real survivor, which apparently is one of the things that led you to the uh, book that you've authored called Survivor Thrive. Uh, Do you feel like you got a lot from your father in that sense? Yeah, I did. You know, you can... You know, it really doesn't matter what, um, uh, uh, how you grew up or the, you know, you don't get to pick your parents. You know, you just right. are given this life. and But you do get to choose, you know, what you're going to do with some of the experiences and things that, because a lot of things that uh, uh, people can relate to, is there's a lot of things that you don't, you didn't choose, but people made choices that affected you. Mm-hmm. But you get to choose what you're going to do with those. And uh, and I just decided that, you know, I wanted to make sure that I took those experiences and grew from them, and it taught me uh, the kind of dad that I didn't want to be. Um, but it also, uh, I guess the struggle with that is that, you know, when you, when, you don't, when you come from a culture like that, you know, you have a lot of uh, uh, insecurities, you know, you have a lot of fears, and those are the kind of the giants in my life that you just have to push through them. Uh, and because, as well, you know, you know, not mm-hmm. every dream or business plan happens the way we see it in our head. You yeah, have to. Doesn't. You're going to have to learn to what recalibrate, and and but you still have to push on and learn from those experiences, which is kind of what. I learned from my dad because after I got out of uh, 
high school. And, of course, when I graduated from high school, it was Richardson High School, and I graduated from the bottom of the list, and I tell everybody, you know, if it wasn't for me, nobody else had been on top. <laughs> Always a sense of humor. It has to get us through. That's right. And, uh, you know, those people ought to count it lucky that, you know, Steph was at the bottom and that my dad moved so that, you know, we could kind of pile everybody up on top. But, you know, I when I got out of high school, I just really didn't, I had a law. I didn't really have a direction. Uh-huh. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't um, have the... Step, we're going to talk more about that as soon as we get back from this break. All right. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Pinrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpinrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Togenet.com. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories? The people behind their masks? The truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives? Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years. And now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And I am so thrilled to be here with our guest today, who is the author of an award-winning book, Survive or Thrive, Creating the Life You Want Out of the Life You Have. And Steph, that's exactly what you did, really probably from well before the time that that your father physically left you, uh, because you had so much to contend with growing up. And in spite of all that adversity and all of those challenges, you still managed to go to college. College, get a degree, get a job. Tell us, tell us what occurred at that point. You, you, you managed to get out of college and, and find a pretty decent job, really. What was the path at that point? Well, I had uh, got a job with a 
in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, right out of college, and they were doing interviewing uh, out of a hotel room, and uh, they picked me out of about 200 people, and they it was my first professional selling job, um, and I was very excited about that because it was you know the first time that I could you know have a you know a pretty good stable uh, salary plus commission, and. Uh, um, it was really important to me at that time that, you know, when people believed in me, yeah, I just did not want to let them down. And so uh, that was my first job. And I was selling um, to purchasing agents in the defense contract world. Wow. And it was um, uh, the best, worst job that I ever had because uh, they, my competitor, of course, you know, some things they don't tell you until you get the job. It's like after you know, well, my competitor was um, in the same marketplace, and he had, they had like uh, 12 to 14 sales reps on the street. I had just me working for a company shipping out of Chicago, Illinois. And it was uh, uh, very challenging. You know, of course, it's my first sales role, so I did a lot of prospecting, a lot of meetings. And after about the first three months, my sales manager called me up, and he said, um, we want to review your numbers. And my goal for the year, my first sales job, first revenue was $300,000. In fact, I was so young then, $300,000 oh. was just like, I'm not even sure I could comprehend that number. So he told me after three months that, uh, uh, Steph, he said, your sales numbers are, have come in, and after three months you've done, are you ready for this? $287. Oh. So, Oops. Yeah, so I I wasn't that good at math, but you know if you take two hundred eighty seven subtract from three hundred thousand, you still have three hundred thousand dollars. That's the way I saw it. <laughs> yeah. I have nine months to get three hundred thousand dollars, and Marla, I, what was challenging at that point? I don't remember what my sales manager said in after that point. The only thing I thought about if if I don't get this number, I'm gonna get fired. Um, and I worked really hard and did a lot of activity and energy for three months and ended up with this. And but I think because of watching my dad um, consistently take the easy way out when problems came, mm -hmm. I chose, uh, I had three options. One, quit before they fired me, or two, uh, pretend I was working really hard and then find another job and then quit, or three, figure it out. And so I took option number three, and I went to a um, found a, an individual. I didn't know him well, but I, the only thing I knew about this guy was he drove a Mercedes. He lived in a big house and sold insurance. And so his name was Don, and I went to Don and asked Don to mentor me uh, because if I didn't figure this out, uh, then I wasn't going to have a job anymore. And Every week, about every other week, Don would spend time with me at the Cracker Barrel in Louisville, Texas, and he began to uh, show me how to do business to business selling. And I have to tell you that uh, I did in that year, in nine months, getting to my sales goal of three hundred thousand dollars. Whoa, whoa! You know what's amazing to me, Steph, is that you knew at what twenty years old or whatever you were by then the importance of a mentor. And, you know, there are many an entrepreneur out there who still doesn't understand the importance of, of having a mentor. And, and you sought that individual out, and then you managed to get that number in sales. That's phenomenal. Well, I think, 
think I learned, and it's just a good thing to know uh, that you know life is full of problems, and and you don't. That's why the book is called Survivor Thrive because there's, you know, you get two choices. You have to survive your current circumstance, but you have to take that circumstance and then to create the life you want. You got to create it out of what you have. And one of the things you can do is that, you know, you're, you're a smart person. You can go ask people that are doing well to help you. And if you'll do that, I, I, I don't think I've ever had anybody that I said, will you please help me, say, I don't want to help you. Mm-hmm. They are yeah. very open. Don't you, don't you find that true? I, I agree. That's one of the things I write about uh, a lot over at Inc. Magazine is, is that successful people generally want to help other people to become successful. And that's why they write the books. That's why they come on the podcasts. That's why they blog. And uh, when you when you have an acquaintance and you have the opportunity to reach out to them, heck, I've reached out to total strangers via the phone just because I admire them. You know, you'd be amazed at how much help and support you can get from them. And you've shown that. It's oh, yeah. And, you know, it's really, for me, uh, the fastest way out of depression <laughs> Well, the fastest way into depression is when a strategy is not working and you don't know why it's not working and you were convinced before this is the way to go and all of a sudden it's not showing up the way you want it to show up. Right. That'll send you into a, a depression. Uh, and then a lot of anxiety and worry and fear and doubt. And one of the best ways out of that is just recognize that, you know what, you may not have the answer, but somebody else does. And if you right. tap into their intellectual capital and their experience, it will inspire and re-energize you, and that's one of the things I learned early on. You know, since I didn't have that type of uh, fathering from my dad, you know, you, you had to go find other people to help you out, and that's yeah. what I did. And you really have, Stephen. You took what you had, and which which is really dire circumstances, and you created the life, as your book says, created the life you want out of the life you have. Why do you think it is that there are so many people out there that think they need something more, something else? They've got to find the answer before they can finally take the steps that are going to guide them toward what they consider success. Well, I think they I think they spend more time looking over the fence and dreaming about, you know, what other people have, and they get so focused on looking over the fence at other people's, uh, I call them farms. You know, you got your own farm, and uh, you get to decide what, how you're going to plow it up and, and then what seeds you're going to plant and what crops you're going to grow. But we get so focused on what other people are doing, we don't really look inside to figure out what am I good at, what am I passionate about, um, so that then uh, we don't, you know, they don't want to uh, go out and talk to somebody else. You know, one of the things that's very healthy is, you know, they're at a, I had a, another career in my life, and um, in that particular career, it was a, a music business because um, I've written songs and stuff like that. Well, you know, when you get with other musicians that play better than you, the first thing that musicians do is they just get envious of each other. And I learned early on and through that experience that, you know, becoming envious of somebody else that's better than you is not a good strategy. The best strategy is you need to come alongside them, and they'll pull you up to their level. And you got to be open and honest with yourself that, you know what, uh, I'm not as good as I think I am, but if I make this person my friend and, and have them pour into me and I pour into them, it's going to take me to a different level. Right. And I think that's the answer to that is that people want 
they want the easier way out, but they don't realize that life is full of trouble. And if you figure it out, you get good at solving life's troubles. And uh, because more troubles come in the next day. And so you get really good at handling these challenges. And after a while, it just becomes very easy to do. So tell us a little bit about what led you. We have about two minutes and we'll break. I'd love to hear a little more about what led you to writing this book, Survivor Thrive. Well, I had, uh, I ended up in a, um, uh, a 20, I was married for 20 years, and then my uh, wife decided that she didn't want to be married anymore, and it was a complete surprise. Wow. And it threw um, the family into a very difficult time. It threw me in a very difficult time. I had just started, I'd been two years into creating the Turnaround uh, Solutions, which is the, my consulting company. And uh, it was through that process that literally a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, uh, came by to check on me. And it was just something he said. He was getting ready to leave. And he turned around and said, Steph, he said, you know what? You've got to do more than just survive this situation. And that sparked uh, the next day as I was thinking about what he said. I just couldn't let it go. And I started thinking about what am I doing to survive this situation that would be more reacting to the uh, situation. Not that you're in denial of kind of what's happening because you have to go through the pain. You have to go through disappointment. But what am I, what do I, what can I do? that would be more proactive. And so I made a list of things are surviving, acting, thinking, feeling. And then I created a list of what I was doing, what I could be doing that was more proactive. And then I just was doing that as an exercise um, in my own thought. And two days later, somebody from United Way called me and asked me if I had a seminar we could do at the end of the year. And I just mentioned to him, I said, I think I'm, I've got this idea I'm hammering out about how to go beyond surviving. And you know what, Marla? They booked it. I didn't even <laughs> book it. <laughs> they just booked it. And, of course, you know, if you're good sales, you say yes to everything and then figure it out. So Yeah, right. I said yes, and uh, that started the seminar that was called Beyond Surviving. And I want to tell you what, they had to change the venue four times because it was just an email that went out to the 170 nonprofits that were under United Way in this particular county. They had to change the place where we were meeting four times just to get, just to accommodate the number of people that wanted to come hear this message. Wow. Oh, that had to be a fantastic experience. And uh, from there, you figured a book would be a big hit. Yeah. Well, we thought, you know, well, what people really need is they need uh, this content in a book, and then we won't do another seminar until we actually do the book. So we did the book, and then the book came out, and then we were doing seminars on the topic, and then we did the workbook. So, you know, the book and the workbook is available to help people kind of map out, you know, where am I? And a lot of times what people tell me when they read the book or they come to hear me talk on the subject is there's areas in their life that they said, I, I had no idea that I was stuck on a survivor bench letting life pass me by because of this experience. I like that. Let, let life pass, pass me by. You can learn more about Step at his website, which is turnaroundsolutions.net. And we'll be back in just a moment.
unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Tune in to the Travel Chick Show with Bonnie Kitohata. Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Bonnie will share with you an hour of travel ideas, experiences, adventures, and tips from her guests. Topics range from local day trips to international excursions. From organized professional vacations to spur-of-the-moment getaways. For fun or business, groups or solo, by bus, car, plane, train, boat, bike, hike, or horse. You'll also hear about travel-related subjects like cultures, travel photography, keepsakes, and more. Whether you love to travel yourself or you enjoy seeing the world vicariously through others, join us and enjoy travel stories from around the U.S. and around the world. For more information on The Travel Chick Show, check out Bonnie's website, thetravelchick.com. Then join us for the show, The Travel Chick Show, live Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time with your host, Bonnie Kitohara, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Chances are, you didn't give birth to Einstein. So why are you trying to raise your child to be like him? Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Woohoo Radio Network's parenting show dedicated to helping you release the myth of the perfect parent and discover the unique brilliance in your child and you. Tara and her panel of amazing, intelligent, and sometimes off-the-wall guests will share the tips, tools, trends, and techniques available that will help you stop raising Einstein and start relishing your role as a proud and present parent. Join her every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time for Stop Raising Einstein, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And if you struggle with charging enough for your services or some people struggle with charging at all for their talents and services, then make sure to go on over to Inc. and read today's article at incinc.com slash author slash Marla hyphen Tabaka and uh, answer some questions in that article. You might just find out why you're hesitating to charge enough for your talents, gifts, experience, and abilities and how to change that. And today on The Million Dollar Mindset, we're here with Steps. Stevens Sidnor, and uh, we, we've just heard his amazing, amazing life story and uh, how he's overcome some some true challenges, even crisis points in his life. And today, Steb is working with clients and growing those companies to millions and millions of dollars. And uh, I'm sure that you have a system that you've picked up over the year step and, and, and probably even unwittingly developed if you're, if you're like many of us. Tell us a little bit about this two-meeting closed selling system and, and where you learn these techniques. Well, uh, uh, Marlo, when I, uh, in my first, that first sales job where I needed Don, uh, that mentor, to help me mm-hmm. 
you know, without realizing it. What he was teaching me, he was teaching me uh, how to get people's attention when you sit down with them for the first time. And then how do you get them, especially in business-to-business meetings where you're doing cold calling, you're setting up appointments, you're meeting people for the first time. There's an there's a easy way to do it. There's a hard way to do it. And I want to tell you, the hard way means you're going to starve to death. The easy way means it just works. And so he began to teach me his process. And then over the years, I just kind of fine-tuned it for myself uh, and then ended up calling it the two-meeting close selling system because you can close a lot of deals in two meetings or less. And that first meeting is just really, really important. So um, one of the experience that I had where I had to really lean in on that is I was a VP of sales marketing for a uh, company, a marketing company actually, and the uh, company did not perform well, so we had to, I got laid off, and when I got laid off, that was an aha moment for me. That's how I started my consulting business. Well, when you start your consulting business, the first thing I needed to do is go get business, and I really didn't understand what I was going to sell. So. The two-meeting close selling process, it allows you to sit down with a client, uh, get them comfortable with who you are and what you do, so there's an element of trust and security and safety. And when you reach that point in the meeting, what happens is that the ideas and the problems and the opportunities within that company just make themselves available, and that's what started happening with this particular client. I sat down with them. I started using my selling system. And the next thing you know, they were telling me they were having people problems and doing this and doing that. And that's when I began to realize that, you know, I had a lot of experience that I'd learned over the years in growing companies and helping business owners develop their companies that I just started um, uh, identifying problems that companies were having that came out of this two-meeting close uh, process and started telling them I could solve that problem. And if they wanted that problem solved, I could solve it. And that allowed me to to do two things. It allowed me to, one, walk into a meeting, and I teach people this all the time, you walk into a meeting and a lot of times you don't walk in there to sell anything. You walk in there to see if there's anything you can help them with. And that makes all the difference in the world in creating opportunity and selling services and solutions. Do you mean that when, sorry, do you mean that when you walk in, you walk in with the attitude of I'm not here to sell, I'm here to help? Yes, I'm here to help because when you're you're Mm -hmm. there to sell, uh, the client knows you're there to sell. Right. The client, and nobody wants to talk to a salesperson, and the the analogy I, I use is salespeople have bad breath. And nobody wants to talk to somebody that has bad breath because it's all they think about is getting away from you. And salespeople, people don't want to talk to salespeople. And it doesn't matter what kind of salesperson you are, whoever you're calling on, they're having salespeople try to meet with them all the time. So the first thing you have to do is just minimize that bad breath. Well, there's a certain way to do it and a certain way uh, not to do that. But you're right. When you walk into a meeting, if you walk in there that I need to sell you something, you're going to act like a salesperson. If you walk in there with the attitude of, you know, I'm here to help you, and you, and you position the meeting right up, up front with certain key statements that I teach, 
uh, it puts the client at ease, and the next thing you know, they are just opening up their their um, the closets of the issues because they feel safe in talking with you. And when a customer does that, you'd be amazed uh, how often they figure out a way to get you into the company. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. So are you willing to um, share with us an example of one of the statements that we can use when we go into our meetings? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the best one to use is, um, well, I, I tell everybody, um, an old school of thought is to find common ground, which is, you know, um, you know, Marla, I walk into your office and you, and you say you got uh, pictures of you playing tennis, or I don't know if you play tennis or not, but use that anyways. But, and then I start talking to you about tennis and blah, 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 blah. Uh, well, that we call that finding common ground or common interest with the client. The problem with that today is that I leave, the next salesperson comes in and tries to and wants to talk about tennis. Well, it just validates you're trying to sell me something because now I'm being right. technique. And clients, that has, they have been technique by salespeople, you know, for a very long time, so they're aware of that. So what I tell people, I said, listen, minimize talking about common ground. When the client sits down, you sit down. And when you sit down, you start this dialogue. And I always tell them, start with your name, your company, and your position. So that's the first part of the uh, two-meeting close. You always start with your name, position, and company. If you know that person and they know who your name is, you're not going to do that because they know who you are. But if there's somebody else that's in the room that doesn't know you, you always start with, hi, my name is Steph. I'm with Turnaround Training Solutions, and I'm the CEO. The next thing you say right after that, because, you know, Marla, how many times have people introduced themselves to you and you remember their name or found them interesting? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Because no. your yeah. name, position, company is not of interest. And so if you're going to get their interest, you've got to get it in less than three seconds. Right. That means in yeah. less than three seconds, you've got to make a statement that gets them relaxed. And here's the statement. It's called a commitment objective. So the next thing that you say after your name, company, position is simply this. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you the line. It goes like this. Uh, uh, Marla, the reason for our meeting, that's how you start. You always start with why are we meeting. And here's what I say, or one of the commitment objectives I'll say. I'll say the reason for our meeting is to learn a little bit about you, tell you a little bit about me, and just see if it makes sense to do business together. Okay. Because now you're you're taking away when you say that you're taking down that defensive that wall that they sometimes have up when they when they come into a meeting like this and they think okay I'm going to be pitched you know you're just saying stating simply that we want to get to know each other and see if it makes any sense I'm not here to play hardball yeah and what happens all the time is their shoulders drop their that you could just see their body and their muscles relax because. When people know they're in a sales process, you know, the, the, just naturally their walls go up. And the acid test is, you know, you go to a large department store and you walk through the door, you see the sales clerk coming towards you. Even if you needed help, you already have an answer for them. And as soon as they say, do you need any help, what do you say? Uh, yeah, no. I'm <laughs> fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> yes. And you know, even if you're looking for something, it's just that yeah. natural reaction is, you know what, uh, don't tell me how to, because we feel like as salespeople, we forget that the client's perception or whoever is sell to, it doesn't matter if you're doing multi-level marketing, it doesn't matter if you're insurance, a CPA, an attorney, uh, a marketer, um, 
you know, you're building your own business and you, you have to sit down with somebody and you're trying to get them to at least enter into a dialogue to consider what it is you're getting ready to offer them or right. say. And the best way to start that is at the very beginning, instead of trying to be their best friend or jump right into a presentation, start with this statement. It's called a commitment objective, and it's what do you want that customer or that client or that person to commit to at the end of this meeting? It could be that, well, the best thing is I want you to consider doing business with me. So say, you know, I'd like to get to know you. I'm going to tell you a little about me and see if it makes sense to do business together because it, it's, it makes them to relax. It, it sets mm-hmm. the agenda. So that's the first part. So name, company, position, commitment objective, and then the second part of I call Act 1 because there's four parts to this two-meeting close, how to close deals in two meetings, is your position statement. Uh, you know, the medical industry has figured out that they everybody specializes. Isn't that right? Yeah, everybody has to, yeah. Everybody. I mean, you go see, you don't see a generalist anymore. You see a specialist or an expert. Right, and your, exactly. So your position statement to your customer when you sit down, you got to remember, you know, how do I get their interest in me in three seconds? Well, your name and your company history is not interesting. Uh, your product features and benefits, if I'm not interested, is not interesting. Right. What I am interested in is is, um, is where you're moving me to a point where my interest level is very high. And when my interest level is very high in you, because 63% of the win-loss deals are directly attributed to the person that's doing the pitching or the selling. And um, that's a huge number. 50% of the sales model, the client picks you first. That's 50% of that whole sales model. Wow. So the position statement simply is this. And I would turn to you as we're talking. The first thing I would say is my commitment objective, and then I go right into my position statement, which simply goes like this. Um, uh, Marla, I work with a lot of people like you in your position. That's the first thing I say, because what does that tell you? It tells me that you're familiar with my situation and what's going on, and it puts you, in my eyes, sort of in the role of an expert already. And we are about to go into break, so we're going to wait with bated breath to hear the rest of this position statement, because now you've got me really curious. (laughs) (laughs) Good, got your interest, huh? That's a good start. So learn more about Step and his uh, two meeting close at turnaroundsolutions.net. We'll be back here in just a couple of minutes. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. 
You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent Live, every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Attention parents and teachers. Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less, and a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, a fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, with your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich, Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And make sure to join me here next week when our guest is Randy Gage. And if you're not familiar with Randy, go ahead and check him out online, Randy Gage. He can be quite the controversial character. I adore him. And he's written a new book, Risky is the New Safe. The Rules Have Changed. And uh, Randy believes that if you're not zigging when everyone else is zagging, then you are missing out on huge opportunities. So come on along next week, same time and join us when Randy Gage tells us uh, some of his predictions for our country's financial future, as well as how you can uh, actually be very prosperous during these times. And going into break, we were chatting with Step about uh, the commitment objective and followed by the position statement, which uh, left us quite curious. So take it away, Step. Well, the... uh, uh you know, we were talking about the, the commitment objective is, is very important, and, of course, the commitment objective can change. It, it could be that uh, that's one of the things I want to touch on. It could be that you know that this meeting is going to go to another meeting, and could you know that you're probably at the end of the meeting want to try to uh, get permission to do a proposal and then go to another meeting. And so your, your commitment objective is, isn't to sell them anything at that point. It's to actually get a commitment to go to another meeting. When you do your position statement, you know, as we were talking about, your position statement, people want to know that they're dealing with people that identify with them. Right. So even though I deal with a lot of industries, um, technology industries, medical industries, um, uh, service industries, you know, when I meet with these executives, they want to know that, you know, you know, that you specialize in working with me at my level. So, you know, that's why you say, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Marla, I specialize or I'm an expert working with people like you. Uh, in this particular industry. And, uh, and you want to make that statement because it helps. It's, that's why it's called position statement. If you don't tell them who you are, 
Right. They're not going to see you as a consultant, partner, and problem solver. You can't tell them I'm a consultant, partner, and problem solver. They have to tell themselves that. And so you make these certain statements for them uh, to do that because it's kind of like the goal is to get the attitude or the kind of the, the mental picture of how that person that you want them to buy your product or service or whatever it is, you know, you want them to move you from the opposite side of their desk all the way around the other side of the desk so you're sitting next to them. And when you're mm-hmm. sitting next to that prospect, you become their consultant, partner, or problem solver. And when you're at that point, there's very little selling that goes on. There's a lot of strategy and and what is it that you do that can help me with these problems? Do you, do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. Because now in your eyes, as you said, you're the expert and uh, you've been through it before and perhaps they haven't. Yes. So um, the first act is going to be your name, company, position. The second one is going to be your commitment objective. The third part of that act one is a position statement. And within about all that goes by, when I train people how to do that, it happens so naturally and it happens so quick that you got to remember the client sits down, you sit down, and then you start. That's your cue to, to start the meeting, and you start it with the uh, two-meeting close uh, process. What happens next will absolutely, they will absolutely grab you and send you over to the other side of their desk so fast. I've never seen a tool work <laughs> this quick. And, and I'll give you a couple, of, a couple of examples, but I know we can't go through all four steps of the um, uh, two-meeting close process. So the, the first step is after you do your position statement, you would say something like, Marla, I, I work with a lot of people just like you in your position, for example. And now you're going to tell them one or two crafted, powerful success stories. You want to hear one of mine? I do. I do. Of course. Okay. Uh, uh, and I would say, Marla, I work with a lot of people just like you in your position. Um, and, for example... Uh, I recently had a general manager of a very large uh, organization call me up. They were in the third quarter of their year. Uh, They were only at 55% of their revenue goal. He had three months to make it the difference, and the problem was he had uh, 20 managers that really did not believe they were going to make it. They were trying to move 120 associates forward to sell more product. But because the managers didn't believe they were going to make it, it didn't matter what they said. It manager, they were picking up on their energy. So when the GM called me, he said, do you have a solution for that? And, of course, I said, absolutely. So I took them, and I did two half-day seminars in a two-week period. And I did one seminar that was called Power of Communication, Cooperation, and Commitment, another one that had to do with employee-focused management. And I sent them back in their, back in their workforce, and here's what happened. At, in January, at the close of the year, after the business closed, in January, the general manager called me up and he said, Step, he said, not only did these managers get so fired up and they changed their belief system, not only did they meet the corporate goal, but they met a goal they set over the corporate goal, which was about 10%, and that's the goal they met. And because they did that, we became the number one store out of 455 stores in the nation, and that was Sam's Club in Tyler, Texas, in a secondary market. And the good news is that 
GM and all those managers got ended up transferred to other troubling stores to um, help generate the same thing. Wow. Well, you're hired. Do you work with? Uh... <laughs> Well, what's in now? Now, listen. Let's let's pretend like you and I met for the first time, and I just sat down, and I'm very relaxed. I'm very confident. I know what I'm getting ready to say. I know I'm going to step you through my name and company position. I'm going to tell you why we're here. See if it makes sense to make business together. I'm going to tell you I work with people like you, and then I'm going to hit that success story. More, what happens over and over, and I have more students that say, Steph, when I did that, of course, the success story really is the attention grabber. Mm-hmm. You could hear a pin drop when you're doing that, and it has to be crafted in a very certain way. But when it's crafted and delivered, what happens is you have everybody's attention, and now here's the number one thing they think. If you could help them do that, maybe you can help me. Yes, absolutely. That's where the mind goes is, whoa, what can this guy do for me? But tell me, Step, you know, that's a very powerful story you have there, obviously. What about the guy who sells, you know, medical equipment? You know, how, how does somebody who sells a product like that rather than an astounding service make it sound so sexy? Well, go back to your client you sold the product to, whoever bought it, because and ask them, how has our product or service, uh, how is it helping your business? Mm-hmm. And what will happen is that because whoever bought that equipment or whoever's using that equipment isn't going to say, well, you know what, that's not helping our business at all because that wouldn't validate their purchase decision. Right. And you have exactly. to do this. You have to do this fairly soon within a probably uh, – uh, 30 to 60 days, depending on what the equipment is. And I've worked with a lot of people crafting these these statements. But everybody, and even if you don't realize it, everybody is using is getting a benefit or result from somebody's product. It's just that you didn't go back to look for it. Mm-hmm. Do you ever work with people who offer service rather than selling a product? Oh, absolutely. Uh, people okay. like that. Uh, serve pro and you know where it's service related there's not really a product available mm-hmm. do you find the people who are more in the consulting realm like yourself that sometimes they struggle with patting themselves on the back like this when it comes to telling their success story well that's the thing you know a third party story when you tell a story like I shared the Sam's Club story Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't sound like you are praising yourself it's because people, I mean, listen, we, we're ate up with stories. We're either buying books or reading articles or buying magazines or mm-hmm. and we'll buy a book, go to a movie, rent a movie, go to a theater. To I mean, we are, we, our culture sees things in stories and stories sell. I mean, attorneys know this. The best story wins the court case, even if it doesn't even have to be true. These stories are actually come from your customers, and when they're crafted, they really help the client see what you do to people because mm-hmm. people want to do business with people they get results. Don't you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, and you did it. You do a great job, you know, at the end where you said, and the really great news is these guys were all transferred to stores that were in trouble. You you took the uh, praise, if you will, off of yourself or the focus off of you and placed it onto the client, which is is a really good way to do that. Yeah, 
Well, and then uh, a lot of, uh, of course, those success stories have to be in some kind of measurable results. So either exactly. a percentage of savings, a cost decrease, a some kind of increase in revenue, and and, and, and when people ask me, well, where do you get that information? I said, just go back and ask your clients. Just ask them, you know, um, how's the product helped you in mm-hmm. your business? And specifically, how has it impacted your customers? Yeah, and for smaller businesses, you know, to, to remember to bring social media into this, to ask your customers to share their success stories and to, you know, invite them to talk to you about it right in social media. And, and that's really helpful to put it out in the public. So, Step, we've got less than two minutes uh, here left in the show. I'd love you to tell us a little bit about where we can learn more about this your process and, uh, you know, if someone wants to hire you who's your ideal client and where do they find you well uh they can go to the two meeting clothes.com that's a website i set up for specifically for that product because we have a lot of other training products we offer but uh so if you went to two meeting clothes.com or emailed me at info at two meeting clothes and you can put the number two or two it doesn't matter okay you can email me your question um you can email me your particular situation um it could be you're doing good but you want to do a lot better uh could be uh that you're not doing as well as you'd like to do and you need to, to get some clarity on that it could be that you're in you know, survive thinking. Um, mm-hmm. You can get the book if they're interested at survivorthrivebook.com. That'll take you right to a website. You can actually buy the book product. Survivorthrivebook.com? Uh huh. Survivorthrivebook.com. Um, or email me at info at twomeetingclothes.com, and I'll be happy to get back to you and answer any question you have. Fabulous. Thank you so much for being with us today, Step. You have just quite a remarkable story, and uh, it's wonderful to see that uh, you are just thriving and taking your own advice and helping others do the same. So hope to see you back here again, Step. And everyone, don't forget to join me next week as I speak with Randy Gage and uh, learn why Risky is the new safe. Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka from Toginet. If you've always known there was more out there for you, but you just weren't sure how to get there, and if you've